You are listening to Rouge, White and Blue, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Welcome to the Rouge, White and Blue CFL Podcast, CFL Division Previews Part 2. My name is Oz Davis, I'll be your host for the show, and with me as always is my co-host, Joe Pritchard. Joe, how's it going? Three weeks from now, from where, from the moment we're talking here, which happens to be Thursday night, the 15th, three weeks from now, we got CFL football, so I'm doing better, I'm doing a week better than I was last week, how about that? <laughs> is the return of football and that opening day game like, what percentage more exciting is it that the Bombers are in? I would have watched BC and Ottawa well, at 3 a.m. with Keith Urban doing the play-by-play the whole time, and I would have loved the heck out of it. But the fact it's my team, it, it, it wraps it up a little, but having gone this long, I'll take what I can get. Thank you. Okay, so that same scenario but with Rod Black. Hey, I'm okay with that because his boy is going to lead the Brewers to the World Series in a few years. (laughs) Hey, did you know that's the son of Rod Black? Yes, yes it is. I I saw this tweeted. I had forgotten for so long. I think it's, it's one of those repressed memories that, oh, yes, with the return of the CFL, we get the return of Rod Black. And the very nonplus Dwayne Ford alongside him, that poor guy. And what I wanted to ask you is okay. I was gonna wait till the end of the show, but but I need this answer. Fearless prediction. Will Rod be in mid-season four by the time we start? Like how rusty will Rod Black be? And when you say that, do you mean it in a positive way for the English language or a negative way? I know you've had fun with Rod in the English language before a few times. Uh, I I think he's just going to be the same Rod Black. The thing... Or will he? Yes. I, I do try to look at the positives when it comes when it comes to things like this. I will say he is remarkably consistent. You know what you're going to get from him every single week. I'm going to say another nice thing. He knows when to get excited. He is into the game. He knows when to get excited. He knows when to bring things up to a fever pitch. And there's some announcers that don't know how to do that, that they go, uh, they true. get crazy at the wrong times or don't get excited at the right times. He does. He knows the game enough to be able to do that. Yes, we have issues sometimes with the repetitiveness. We have issues with the English language and Rod sometimes not getting <laughs> along too well. But I'll be honest, it could be a whole lot worse. We just happened to we just happened to watch him do this twenty or thirty times a season, so we start having it. We start you know getting a little bit okay, okay, okay. But <laughs> it could be worse if it weren't so damn funny. That's the saving grace. It's funny. It's good. It's a great in joke on CFL Twitter. It is during the games. You know, like after the games, before go kickoff is the best because people are. Immediately going, oh my God, Rod Black's calling this game. It's great. So, anyway, we kid because we love Rod, sort of. And 
now that his son's play is at least drafted by the Brewers, now I have to be nice to him, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe in the off. <laughs> okay, this next item I just want to touch on real quick. Joe didn't even want to bother talking about it, but I, I just want to say thank you to whoever gave the story to, it appears, the Toronto Globe and Mail from an inside source, apparently, from somebody who knows these things, maybe within the Toronto organization. Argonauts organization. I just want to thank that person or people for kind of putting my mind at ease by leaking this story about how Toronto was considering jumping to the XFL and may still do so. Uh, and I think that, I mean, for me, this, this puts my mind at ease. This this connects a lot of dots for me that we weren't getting before because there was no transparency on this. It didn't seem to make any sense. You know, the whole 120-year-old organization versus, you know, 20-year-old organization with a season and a quarter under their belt. Kind of this stuff didn't make any sense. But the CFL is odd in that the biggest market in the country is probably its least successful Probably for the whole 21st century, you'd have to say. Montreal will pack the house if they're good. BC, their main problem, I think, is the location of the stadium and weekday games. Uh, that combination is just dead. But I think that even those fan bases are a little bit better for, for their teams than in Toronto. Yet, it's the cash cow. That's one the NFL is rumored to want once in a while. And, and so it kind of makes sense. And I think that whereas in the past... This talk about, oh, my God, if Toronto folds, the league is going to fold, isn't so strong. I think the major bummer about about a Toronto move, it would be fascinating, historically speaking. But then it would probably kill the chances, again, of the Atlantic scoop coming to existence. On the other hand, visualize 2024 when not only are the Toronto Argonauts returning to the CFL, then you're introducing the Atlantic Scooters in the same year. You could have a combination dispersal and expansion draft. First of its kind. Right. Okay, Joe's not even biting on that. I, I don't so. even know where to go with that at this point, so I'm just really with you. <laughs> right. Well, let's get on to the meat. All right. Well, Let's start at the top with Joe's Winnipeg Blue Bomb. Of course, they're the defending champs. They were last seen beating three teams, which are renowned for their home field advantage, Calgary, Saskatchewan, and, of course, Hamilton. Ended up going 14-7 and seven in all games, 11-7 and seven in the regular season, which would only be about 11, calculated this out today, it's only about eight and a half wins in a 14-game season. So, nine and five. Uh, if they play as well. We're going to talk about whether they will in a minute. I guess the good news is just today it was announced that they will open to full capacity on August 5th. So they'll be able to pack the house in Winnipeg. As far as acquisitions on the offseason, not much. Uh, they did lose linebacker Drake Neves. Now he has played in every game since 2018, uh, most games since 2016. Who else but Toronto? vacuum cleaner of the CFL. I guess the biggest move is that Paul Police is out as offensive coordinator. Uh, Buck Pierce, former quarterback of BC and Winnipeg, is moved up in the ranks, and he gets to work with Zach Glaris and Andrew Carrot. That's the big question. I think, Joe, how much of an effect to do the coaching changes? Less so than you would think, simply because Buck 
worked with uh, Paul Lopolis for a while, has the grasp of that offense. So does your starting quarterback who has, instead of, he was there for what, two months last year and took him all the way to the championship and won the thing. Now he's got two years to learn the offense. He better have it down by now. Uh, so it, it worked well even without all this prep time. Uh, you still do have one of the backups from uh, 2019 and Sean McGuire round two. So you at least have somebody that's uh, know that knows the system if and when Claros goes down and the team is fairly high on him. Uh, I'm also fairly high on him because he happens to be from South Milwaukee, but I'll try to keep that keep that to a dull roar. But I am hoping to see him play uh, in the short yardage situations this year and possibly a little bit more, but really I'd love to see Zach uh, Claros go wire to wire, of course, because that gives the Bombers the best chance to win. Uh, I, I think especially given all the time that's trans that's trans that's gone between uh, when uh, Paul Lopolis left to now, and with Buck Pierce, Zach Claros, and McGuire all knowing the offense, I don't think that's as big of a blow as it could have been. Okay. I'll buy that viewpoint. Okay. Now, you actually, I don't know if you realized it, but you actually made the Freudian slip there. You said, when Polaris goes down. No, that wasn't a slip at all. That was. Oh, okay. Uh, right, so, that's a little bit of the bomber fatalism, plus Claros' injury history just. It's going to happen, and I'm just ready for it. It will happen at some point. Okay, but, but this is one thing I've been wanting to bring up, actually, so I'm glad it finally came up now. Shorter season. I mean, isn't that going to have some effect on what has seemed to be in the last few years just this rash of quarterback injuries? I mean, like, you're basically guaranteed that your quarterback is going to miss A lot of that was happening early in the season, though. So I don't know if lopping okay. a month off the end of the season is going to okay. necessarily change that, except to give you less of a runway if your quarterback gets hurt early to come back in time to affect the playoff picture or get back in time for the playoffs. It's really the, the only the only thing that's going to change injury wise is the t- is the chances that they that the, anybody gets back in time for the playoffs. Well, you could also argue too that for the better part of this time period, all a lot of these guys have been doing is conditioning, right? I'm sure they don't all have access to the equipment and the tackling dummies and whatnot. So in that respect, I think that the problems you sometimes see with stamina won't necessarily be there. And I wonder if this thing where the offense is head of the defense is going to continue too, or if that will have been enough time. You seem to be on the side of more time is better for the coaches and whatnot. But how are you on the play? Well, just think of everybody, every player in the league spent last year not getting the crap kicked out of them. That's going to do wonders for them having recovered in at least the conditioning sense, where they're not not, not quite all, quite. right? Because they're bringing over some college guys and some maybe some American free agents. Right, but we're talking we're talking anybody whose name we know right now for the most part. <laughs> yeah, they had the year off last year from getting hit, right. beat up, bruised, right. and, and being hurt from 
the the opening preseason game all the way through the end of the season in some way, shape, or form. So that can only do the body good. Mm-hmm. How long that lasts into the season? Probably not very much, especially when you're not used to being hit anymore. But at least everybody's going to have will, would have had the chance to heal up and get rid of some of the nagging injuries before you go back right back into creating more of them. Yeah, getting off to a fast start is going to be key too. Five games in this season, we're more than a third of the way through, and you know at that point Hamilton could probably have a playoff spot clinched already. I kid, but you know it it is going to be uh, those gaps could get real big really quick for the quick starting for the slow starting teams or the heavily injured teams uh, early. So hey, let's talk about that heavily injured team. Saskatchewan Roughriders. Now, even I think even before these injuries, <laughs> this bizarre like play of injuries struck during a day of practice where four guys went down. I actually got these names here. This is gonna hurt. I mean, literally, right? Larry Dean, Nelson Lacombe, Freddie Bishop, and Jonathan Femicole, uh all out in the same day. Um, gee, we could start there. Let, let me do the quick rundown here. I think the Riders were one of the biggest turnover teams. I mean, they're no Argos, but a lot of familiar names are gone. There seems to be this emphasis on youth happening. Uh, Kenny Stafford and Charleston Hughes, for example, were released. Um, by the same token, wide receiver Marcus Thigpen was also released. I don't necessarily think he's past his primary. But, of course, he and Hughes go to where, Joe? Toronto. Toronto. And apparently the XFL, if, if the people are to be Maybe that's how they're getting guys over there. Hey, I'll go to the XFL in a couple of years. It's a gateway to the NFL, really. Uh, and also wide receiver, Neymar Roosevelt, went to Montreal. Woohoo! Plus, I thought it was interesting. In the second round, they took wide receiver Terrell Yana and, and tight end Bruno LaBelle. They took in the third round. Uh, these guys had pretty nice stats in college, you know, could really be nice players in the CFL, heavy stat guys in the CFL. And so, it, it to me, it feels like this is kind of a youth movement. Now, we have these four injuries. Does this kind of automatically become a rebuilding year? No, not not necessarily. They still bring carry over their coaching staff for the most part. They still have Cody Fajardo. He's he proved himself very clearly in 2019 to be a top-tier CFL quarterback. So you got that. You have you have consistency in the coaching staff. You still have some talent around him. You still got William Powell around. You've still got you still got plenty of talent there, even with the couple of in, in injuries that they sustained. Uh, I would write them off in any way, shape, or form right now. Okay, not not write off, but th- this is a bit of a blow. I mean, again, we're we're only three weeks out, right? So so this is a bit of an adjustment they'll have to make on the fly already. And again, digging yourself an zero and three hole <laughs> will not be conducive to postseason success necessarily this year in the CFL. Okay, you brought up Cody Vajardo. Now, now maybe I'm the only one, but I kind of I kind of went to DEFCON 3 when he told reporters a couple of weeks ago that he wants to 
prove he wasn't a flash in the pan. And I just thought it was interesting that he expressed it in those terms. You know, I mean, how concerned are you that this is in the back of his mind? He's actually thinking about this. I mean, whatever, whatever it takes to motivate you, I guess. Different people need different things to motivate. Let's hope it is. So. Let's hope it is. Let's hope it is because I don't know. <laughs> I, I saw that. And I was like, whoa, did somebody ask him if it was a flash in the pan? Nope. Read the quote. Nope. Just like, whoa. I don't know. That was, that was maybe I'm paranoid. I, I'm, yeah. Then again, he, he is one of those guys that when you saw what he did in 2019 and saw how he came to the forefront uh, oh, yeah. of the organization and showed off who he was, he's hard to root against. I'm a Bomber fan, and I have a hard time rooting against him. So it might just be me thinking that, okay, now that's just the way he's motivating himself. And I'm miss- I might be missing the warning sign you're seeing here, but I don't see it. Well, the other thing, too, is that what he did eight games plus a couple of playoffs and being a fan of Montreal for the past 10 years or so. I mean, I've, I've been fooled like this before, right? Somebody can spend six, seven good games together and all of a sudden you think they're the quarterback of the future and then the next year they're playing in the XFL or something. All right, let's talk about the uh, elephant in the room in more ways than one. I think most people are picking the Stampeders to win this division. I was looking at the history of the day, and they've really established a winning tradition there in Calgary. Okay, so, so they've won eight cups in the history of the franchise. Four of them have been in this century. Uh, they've also played in three other cups this century. Now, the only thing that really compares is Montreal. And they've had eight great cup appearances, but they've only won three. And they've done nothing significant since, like, 2011. Right, so the stamps are quite the historical juggernaut here. I mean, it's it's nothing like the days when it was Winnipeg and Hamilton in the Great Cup every year. It's nothing like that. But I think that this is the 21st century equivalent to that. I mean, again, like to make the easy comparison, the, the Patriots rarely win Super Bowls back to back, you know, over there in the NFL, and yet they're considered highly dominant. You know. Um, I love how we have scales of dominance nowadays, too. I like that. More dominant. I, I love how we have that, that kind of stuff, too, by the way. So, and I was just thinking about this because, in a way, it really helps in their off-seasons. I think that a lot, a lot, a lot of players in the CFL are going to default to Calgary in a way that few other franchises draw players right now, except Montreal, because I think every French-speaking kid wants to play in Montreal. They'd rather play at home in their home language. Um, So it really helps. And, okay, so, for example, this season, um, not too much action in in the free agent market, but they did get Sean McEwen. Now, now from Toronto, (laughs) they actually got, like, a proper cast-up from Toronto. Now, this guy's probably going to start on the offensive line. I mean, he did in Toronto for four seasons since he was a rookie. So, so this is a great pickup. Um, and, and I think that basically they're the default pick to at least represent the West, if not take global fair with good reason. Yeah. And it's the same reasons I laid out last week in the Eastern previews. They've got the front office. They've got the coaching staff consistency. They've got the quarterback consistency, that offensive line, they shored up, uh, 
and at this point they have the reputation. Right. They they do like, and they and they've been doing this and they get picked apart every off season from CFL teams and NFL teams even reaching in and grabbing a player here, grabbing a player there where they have to go next man up in a, in a couple of spots that think you think they're really going to be hurting there. And there's somebody that might not quite be the same caliber as the guy they lost, but then somebody else steps up some up somebody. And then they find two or three guys you've never heard of before uh, from the, uh, just from the States that plug into Plug into spots, you learn their names pretty darn quickly, and then they're off. And they're, then they're off to the NFL, or off to Toronto, or off to wherever. And they just keep doing it over and over again. And in this type of situation, and in this type of scenario, what could be better? Like everybody's lost something since the end of 2019, and they're trying to piece things back together. Who better to do that than Calgary, who's been doing it all along and successfully? Yeah, but you know, in that respect, uh, this this whole thing worked out decently for Calgary because there wasn't this whole vulture experience of teams getting picked apart. There was also not this um, return of guys from Canada, you know, where the guy gets picked from a Grey Cup team, goes to the NFL, and then sits on the practice squad all year for a bad team can't even move up to the to the roster and just comes back to Canada. That whole wave of players didn't exist either in this, I mean, what would you call it, off-season and a half? <laughs> you know, it's like season and a half of off-season. The most off-off-season um, we've ever seen before. <laughs> yeah, the long off-season. We were talking about long live the night a couple of years ago, long live the off-season, apparently. <laughs> no, the <laughs> off-season must die. It must die in three weeks. Forever, well, but for a long time, <laughs> right? So, okay, you probably have Calgary winning the West. I think they they're the they're the most sensible pick to win the West. Okay, what would you take them for wins? Ten, ten seasons. Ten wins, and and you had what? You had Hamilton at eleven, twelve, eleven or twelve. But again, they're playing Toronto four times, so there's a difference. Yeah. Of course, for me, I think for a lot of people, maybe not the Empire podcast, but everybody else, uh, the big question in the West is the Edmonton Elks. Um, I don't know. To me, I think that this team could finish anywhere from first to first to fifth, and I wouldn't be surprised. Do you do you buy that? Eh, I I don't think they're finishing fifth. And I think they have a better chance of finishing first than a lot of people think. Cause I kind of have them as my dark horse this year. Oh, okay. Now it's okay. going to pick them to finish first, but if they did, I wouldn't be shocked. Right. And if I were right. a gambling type of man, like some other people are, uh, I take a look at those great cup odds and I go, Hmm, maybe I throw 10 bucks on that. On Edmonton. Yeah. yeah. Well, this year there's, there's a lot of good odds. I mean, that usually the odds on CFL guys that put this one out there are just terrible. You, you know, like like last year, even the Red Blacks, uh, they started the season at like 15 to 1. <laughs> That's a joke. You know, an NFL equivalent team would, go, would be going off at about like 80 to 1. But I guess it's because there's nine teams. Uh, even the big sports book don't really do their homework, don't do the serious deep dive into the CFL. They do for the great guy. They do for the great but normally through the season, these preseason props, the odds are terrible. This year, they're great. 
I mean, the favorite to take the whole thing is Hamilton at three to one. <laughs> yeah, and that's pretty good. That 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 that's a good uh, good value, as we say. I think the stamps are at five, which is fantastic. Uh, I think so. You can even do it. You can even make it so that you can bet several teams as long as you parse out your money in the right way. Good odds this year. But anyway, that was a bit of a wormhole. Okay, so looking at Edmonton, I like the acquisition of Justin Tuggle. Uh, <clears throat> linebacker from Hamilton. Somebody left Hamilton. Uh, you got to like that training he must have received over there in Hamilton. He had uh, 88 tackles over 20 games last season, so including the playoffs. Had a nice nice playoffs. Um, for me, I guess, I guess the reason why I consider this so variable is because, okay, you have Jamie Elizondo in there. Now, he was hired after Milanovic quit in February 2020. Uh, but he has literally still not run this team yet. So, and I think he was, he came directly from the outside, right? I mean, he's not, he didn't move up the tree in Edmonton. No, he wasn't in Edmonton at all. I believe he actually went right. to the XFL for a spell. <laughs> Right. You know, back so when they not, were an actual thing and not just a thing that we talk about incessantly. <laughs> back when it was it was actually existing and less interesting yes. <laughs> than it is when it's non-existent. <laughs> hey, so, so, um, it's not a situation like they have in Winnipeg, where you know you're moving up from within the system. You're familiar with the system, plus. There's a lot of there's been a lot of jiggery pokery in the passing game, right? I mean, Trevor Harris is your QB. Uh, Greg Ellison is over. Darrell Walker is still there, but I think these guys have not all worked together, have they? I mean, have they ever well, played together? Remember, Elizondo was the offensive coordinator in Ottawa when Ellison right, yeah. and Harris were there. Walker's sure. the wild card here, oddly enough, in an old new haunt, but. Uh, those three have worked together, so there's at least some chemistry from back in the day between those guys. They know what they know the language each other is speaking. It'll be interesting to see how well that has been parsed down and how the rest of the team is taking it. So they're not the classical case of okay, you've been in the same system, you've sat and marinated in the same system, you played in it for a few years, and now you just sat there and talked about it for a couple of years, and you know yeah. it so well, like the back of your hand. It's it's going to be new to a lot of the team, but it's not going to be new to the quarterback, and it's not going to be new the, to the top receiver. Yeah. That's a help. Okay. That, that, okay. That's, that ain't going to hurt you. Okay, you're and, swinging me on that. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Uh, also, in my estimation, plus, you got Noel Thorpe, also from Ottawa. So I guess Edmonton is, is Ottawa West. Ottawa West, days. yes. Ottawa West these days. Maybe they should have the green gold. The green golds, right? Gold <laughs> greens, right? Something like that. I like that. Okay, let's let's run through that whole routine. <laughs> uh, so I always consider that a plus. Now he didn't do much for Ottawa in the past two seasons, but I'm willing to say that was a sinking ship. But I'm not going to like necessarily hold him responsible. I'm still loving the man from his days in Montreal all those years ago. It is. Uh, how do you see? So you you're 
bullish on the Elks. Do you do you like them for second place? What what's the sky's the limit for these guys, right? Because you're you're basically just sort of lukewarm endorsing them as a sort of dark horse great coach. I could see so, it, it. Harris is good enough that if he gets real hot and gets real chemistry with Walker and gets real chemistry going with Ellingson again, they could win ten. Um, whether that's first place or not is dependent on Calgary. But I feel like they, they're the type of, they're the team out West that I could see get real hot. Like the bombers did at the end of 2019, just kind of go, okay, the, the, the switch is flipped. We're the hot team. Now we're going to run through the playoffs, whether they finish second, third, fourth, especially if they finish fourth and, and they've gotten hot before that. Who the heck knows? <laughs> As a Montreal guy, I don't want to see Edmonton crossing over, coming down the pike again. Not again. No. <laughs> I don't care what their name is. I don't care who their quarterback is. I don't want to see that again. Please, no. No. <laughs> don't want that. Um, Elkomania. Elkomania is going to run wild in the postseason. You heard it here first from Joe Pritchard, Bruce White, Blue CFL podcast. All right. Last Possibly least, at least according to most of the buzz in the Twitterverse, online, whatnot, not much faith, BC Lions. And again, you really can't blame folks. I mean, there didn't seem to be much on positive side this offseason in terms of acquisition. The biggest names were clearly on the minus side. Um, not really, I don't really have any huge names here. I guess. Kind of feels like the wheels are spinning there, BC. Yeah, they've had a lot of upheaval. Uh, 2019 didn't go so hot for a lot of reasons. Some of them was the coaching staff that was cobbled together from uh, a, and I really kind of wish Devontae Claybrooks would have gotten a second look, but the coaching staff he assembled did, just didn't do just didn't work out so well. Uh, it may have been too many coaches that were doing it for the first time and just didn't quite understand what what, what was required or couldn't get couldn't get it going. Because I mean, you, you try new things; it's the first time you've done it. Not everybody's going to succeed right away, and there's probably too much of that surrounding a first-time head coach to really make things going. And then you couldn't you also couldn't keep Mike Riley uh, upright either. That's the recipe for a complete disaster. The fact that they won, what was it, five games? Is kind of surprising, honestly, given all that went on. And now they've had a chance to reset. Uh, they do have a experienced head coach from Rick Campbell now. And a coaching staff that has more experience almost by default. But this is going to be a couple of years where they need to put things together uh and they they also know ed herbie anymore they're starting fresh in the front office it's all fresh again there's more experience behind it so it won't take as long for things to take root i would think but still gonna take a year or two for them to get their people in place their system in place and go find some talent to fill some of these holes i think they're in a lot of trouble this year Right. What is your fearless prediction for the CFL West? If I had to go crazy and you're actually going to make me pick something, I've got Calgary winning the division. 
I've got Edmonton hot on their heels. And basically the the West is going to be a four-team car crash with BC going, wait for us. We're still fueling up the car. <laughs> mm. it's, yeah. It, it, yeah. You're going to have four teams all between seven and ten wins, I want to say. Some combination of that, I, I, it, I'll probably go Calgary, Saskatchewan, Edmonton, Winnipeg, and some, I, I can't even, I, the only thing I've really got is Calgary on top, and the other three are going to be within a game of each other. Whichever mm. order you want to put them in, go ahead and put them in. And then I've got Calgary coming out of the West, but I could really see Edmonton at least giving them a game in the West final, if not pulling off the upset and going and seeing Hamilton in the in the Grey Cup. Fearless prediction, I'm going to go with the Riders are going to finish fourth. They're going to get the crossover. And here's the fearless, but that's not so good. Fearless prediction is that the Saskatchewan-Montreal game will be the most exciting game in the CFL playoffs. That's a fearless prediction. <laughs> is it going to be as good as Canada Day, I want to say 2010, where it was like 54 to 51? Uh, Are we talking that exciting? Because out- I'll sign up for that if it is. <laughs> okay, but the outcome is going to be even better than 13. <laughs> uh, okay, uh, and, and by you saying that, I'm assuming you mean that it's going to be a, a horrible disaster for the riders. I'm on board. Let's sign it up. Uh, I don't care what the rest of your predictions are. I'm going with I'm going with how you have the rest of this laid out. Yeah, see, I knew you'd like that, and um, I, I'm glad I got past the Montreal century. <laughs> how can how to make a fearless prediction? Oh, Montreal's that? involved. Sends I didn't even realize. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course, of course. The perpetrators of the thirteenth man. No, I'm sorry. I've had two. I've had two years of not picking on the riders for any real reason. Yeah. So I had yeah, to let a little true. bit of it out before the season started, didn't I? <laughs> it's true. Oh, more to come. I'm sure. Now, now, I, I, tried, um, I tried to be fair. I can't always succeed. <laughs> okay. Uh, you got any non-vitriolic words of wisdom to go out on, Joe? Yes. If anybody can figure out how the top four in the West are going to stack up, let me know, because I have no dang clue. <laughs> <laughs> and we should also mention the store, our spiffy new rouge, white, and blue gear. Joe, can you do the specifics on this? Yes, yes. Uh, it is it's over at uh, Teespring. Uh, we'll pop we'll pop a link in again to the show here. We have actually had people buy a shirt for us, so that's thumbs up on that. Good right. taste in uh, apparel. Definitely post pictures if you do buy one. I'd love to see them. Uh, yeah, so I believe there's shirts. There's uh, phone cases. There's even pint glasses, if that's your thing. There's a few other odds and ends. Anything that I was able to stick the logo on very easily, I just went ahead and did it. So go take a look. See if there's anything uh, out there you like. I bet it's great, James. <laughs> Greg, Greg James has slowly become the number one fan of the show. 
I don't know. We uh-huh. we did have a response from uh, my request last week to say hi, and uh, one of our oldest and lo- our longest term listeners, let's just say that, uh, from the Yukon, rang in and let us let me know where he was listening and liked where we were going with the Thai cats, uh, predicting him to go all the way. So, <laughs> all right, yeah, that that always wins over one ninth of the fan base. It's funny how that. Works great how that happens uh the store can be found at probably the easiest way to find it if you don't go from the show notes in this podcast would be at tinyurl.com slash rwb store um, there you go that'll just take you through that'll just click you through for joe pritchard i'm Oz davis this has been the bushwhack through cfl podcast talk to you soon thanks for listening find more great shows like this at cf pod network on twitter 